me to have you turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a review. Uh, we're in a series, so I'm, I'm hoping that you, you get all of this. So we're putting a puzzle together, okay? So there's going to be chunks that we lay down. And even today, you're going to walk out and say, wait a minute, what, what about this aspect of it? And I'm saying, well, that's going to be next week, and then the, we'll do the same thing the week after. But all these pieces will come together to form the big picture of not only his righteousness of what he has done in our life to make us righteous and how he's called us to live righteous. And, and there's just no way, unless we were to spend the entire day here, we would never fully get it. While you're doing that, I want, I want to just thank everyone that would played a part in helping us go to Fort Bluff for the camp. It was amazing. Uh, it was it, the, the, the services, the messages, the testimony time, all that stuff was absolutely amazing. And uh, we had a great time. I know when we think of camp, we think of all the fun. And trust me, it was a blast Morning till night, they have it action-packed for the th- uh, things for the teens to do, from sports competitions to uh, just uh, scavenger hunts and, and all sorts of swimming activities and things like that. But every morning and evening, it, it started and ended with the Word of God. And it was just powerful. Every aspect of that was powerful. So I'm very thankful for those that are invested. So to give you guys a piece of this, I'm asking you guys to come uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Pastor Bryce is going to be kicking off a summer series that we are doing uh, over the summer, Sunday night at 6. We're doing uh, the Summer in the Psalms. So we're going to be preaching, teaching through the book of Psalms. And uh, all of the pastors are going to be part of it. But something that a lot of people have asked us about is just getting time to connect to other people in the church. So we're going to be taking time tonight to do that. So after our service... We're going to be having a a, a small cookout with uh, hot dogs and chips and just chilling and hanging out and getting to know everybody tonight. And in the middle of that, you're not only going to hear from Pastor Bryce, but we also have a line of teenagers that are going to stand up and testify about what God did in their life at camp. And you don't want to miss that. In addition to that, we have a video presentation that we're going to show you from beginning to end the teen's journey at camp. So it's going to be awesome. So you say, I don't normally come Sunday night. Well, tonight, come, make, make some changes. Uh, just pause your, your Netflix queue, put that for another day, and come out and join us. And uh, we'll have a great time fellowshipping, being blessed, encouraged, uh, supporting the teens, and, and then also having the time to get to know each other as well. So I'm excited that these summer nights of fellowship that we're going to be doing. Let me review. So I walked you through the opening, the introduction, getting you to this stage of uh, Romans chapter 6. And uh, we, we, we backed up and we were talking about how Romans explained who you were. You were lost, you were undone, you were unrighteous. And we read through all those passages that Paul was explaining to the church of Rome. He said, let me tell you who you were. You were messed up. The word unrighteous means that you broke God's law. Through that, we discovered that we were separated from God. The Romans 3 didn't just say that all have sinned, but he went through and explained, and we went verse by verse explaining what he said about that. You were undone. You've gone astray. You, you, you're, you're, you were unprofitable. All those things because of the unrighteousness in our lives. And then we were defined by our sin. The Bible explained that we were labeled unrighteousness. We were far removed from God and how Paul explained through that, you were, you were, you were an adulterer. You, you were a fornicator. You were a liar. You were a gossiper. He explained all those things. 
And he explained in Romans 3.19 that we were guilty. I mean, flat out. And we explain how a lot of us sit there and say, hey, but let me explain the good. And God says, your good will never outdo your bad. Then we explain what Christ did for us. He made things right. And we studied that, that doctrinal term of justified, to make it right. In the middle of that, it talked about the grace of God. We sang about the grace of God. We didn't deserve any of it. God gave it to us anyways. Then we got to that complicated P word, propitiation of our sins, how God covered our sin. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of God. He doesn't see the filthy old rotten old man that I was. He sees who I was made in Christ to be. And then he explained who you are. It wasn't, he didn't leave it who you were. He didn't just talk about what Christ did, but what that did inside of us. And Paul, when he explained it to the church, he said, you are washed. It's when we started taking off those labels to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, about how God cleanses us from all unrighteousness, is what the Bible says. You were sanctified. And I'll illustrate this here in a minute, how God literally takes us, pulls us out of the pit, and then begins to make a new life in us, constantly working in our life to make us new and better. And then justified. When God sees us, he sees the debt paid in full. You don't have to keep trying to earn it. You, don't, you can't earn it. There's no, no good in us whatsoever. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Now listen to this. The old things are passed away. That's, that's what Romans chapter 6 begins talking about. How we were dead like Christ. How we was buried like Christ. How we were raised in newness of life. Behold, all things have become new. Now I'm going to be honest. I get into a subject like this and you start scratching your head saying, wait a minute. You're telling me, you're telling me that my husband and my kids and myself, when we got saved, are made righteous. I said, yes, you are. All right. But I have some questions. Because I've heard my husband lie. I've seen my kids cheat. I know I have bitterness. How is it possible that I can be made in the righteousness of God and still yet sin? How in the world can I have these things in my life and wrongs still come out of me? That does, and I'll just say, we're in church. Let's just, just be honest. I mean, we're just brothers and sisters in Christ here. How many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor Tony, I am saved, but I still struggle with sin? Raise your hand. Okay, if you don't have your hand raised, your sin is lying, so go ahead and raise it. (laughs) If you're like, I don't know if I sinned or not, you just did it, you lied. So there you go, we can all raise our hands now. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he gave us all these doctrinal terms, trespassed was another word for unrighteousness, or, or we crossed the line, we broke out the line, uh, law to be washed, the grace of God sanctified. But then I started reading in Romans 6 to get and explain what Christ did, what Christ did, what Christ did. And I thought, man, this is so cool. And let me tell you right now, you talk about the victory that Jesus Christ has given us is illustrated in Romans chapter 6. It is amazing. You say, well, what is it? I, I don't think we would fully grasp it. If I, if I was just to start today and just explaining it, because I started looking at Romans 6 from another side of it. And I started seeing something else was there. I want to see if you guys catch this as well. We're going to study another doctrinal term. And I don't normally do this. 
But I want you to take your Bibles to Romans 6, 1, and we're going to read the entire chapter. The entire chapter. And I want to see if God points these things out to you like he did for me as I was reading through Romans chapter 6, okay? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to find the word sin. You're going to be on the scavenger hunt. You guys ready? We're going to play a game in church. If you have a pen or just mentally note it, I want you to see how often Paul emphasizes and points out sin. Because we want to talk about I am freed from sin. I am different. I am changed. I have been resurrected. I have newness in life. And God says, hey, if you're going to emphasize what the righteousness of God is, you need to understand what the unrighteousness is that we have in our lives. You guys ready? Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's the subject that we were talking about. He said, wait a minute. How in the world, if I am made righteous and I have the grace of God and he's done all this, how in the world are we going to keep living that way? That is a question. That's the question that I was asking, guys, as we got into this. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we, were, we are buried with him by baptism in the death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is what you should walk. This is how you should live. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. This is a comparison. So should we also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That from henceforth, from here on out, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. You're going to see some words about the the capture of sin. And this is where I got my message today. We talked about the effects of sin. He says in this, he said, should have no more dominion, power, authority over him. For For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But then he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to this. Let not. Let not. Paul is saying, why are you living this? You don't have to live that way. Let not. That's what he's saying here. It's an option. Sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. You should obey the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead, your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Did you hear that? For sin shall not have power, authority over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? He starts asking you a question. He's like, oh, come on, guys. He said, "Let, let me ask you this. Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He says it again, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But thank be to God, but God be thanked 
that you were servants of sin. Did you understand the word past tense? But you have obeyed from the heart that from the doctrine in which you were delivered. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and, and to iniquity and unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit have ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Did you hear me? For the end of those things is death. Death. But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and to everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to understand what you were saying about sin. And Lord, over and over and over again, you talked about our victory of sin, over sin. But Lord, over and over and over again, you were illustrating what holds us back and what we struggle with every single day. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we dig through this passage to understand what you were saying. Lord, give us clarity. Give us application. Lord, give us life change through this. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, I did that on purpose, and there's was, there was a lot of, of things that he was talking about, about these questions, because he was talking about what sin is, and he was talking about the righteousness of God, and then he would stop and ask a question, and he'd say, why are you over there? Why are you over there? Why are you doing that? Why do you keep living that way? I, I think Paul was somewhat frustrated, because they were wounded, they were frustrated, they were, they were struggling, and I think about us as a church, I think about us as Christians. So we sit there and we go through life, and man, life is so hard, and I've got this and I've got that. And then God looks at us and says, why? Wait a minute. You've got that sin weighting you down, and yet you don't understand. You've been free from sin. Why are you holding on to it? Why are you holding on to that? You realize that it has no power over you. Do you understand it has no authority over you? But I thought, man, how often do we just stop? in a doctrinal study with this and understanding what sin is. Now, I'm going to come at this from a different uh, perspective, but I, I want to, first of all, before we start breaking this down, biblically defining what sin is. I mean, we, we've got to understand what God was warning of us because he says, what shall we say then? In Romans 6, 1, shall we continue in sin? He labeled it out. He was literally saying, whatever you're continuing in, and you think, uh, understanding, if you're walking in something, you know, mud puddle or whatever, and you're with your kids and saying, are you going to keep walking in that? You're getting your shoes all muddy. Paul is saying to the church, are you going to keep walking in that? You're getting your life all messed up. Are you going to continue to do what you're doing because you don't have to? And by the way, God forbid, it's not what God wants for your life. So sometimes we as Christians, we're struggling on an everyday basis and we're struggling with every part of our life. And God says, I didn't have that for you. You're choosing to do that. You've been made in the righteousness of God. You've been freed from that. You've made different. You've been set free. So why are you doing that? God forbid. He's saying this is not right so Romans give this entire doctrinal study of this. But let me, let me say this as we're leading up to this. Sin is defined by God. You guys hear that? We say from the very beginning in, in, in Romans chapter 1, he started saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said that. I'm not ashamed of what God says. The very next verse, I think it's verse 17, he says this. For by it is the righteousness of God 
revealed. You sit there and people say in our, our culture all the time, say, well, I'll be honest. I know that preacher says that, but I just don't see it that way. It doesn't matter what you think. I'm not saying that to be mean or cruel, whatever. The reason that we struggle and we're all messed up is because we keep trying to define sin for ourselves. You, good news. You don't have to figure it out. We sit there in culture, and, and, and the culture doesn't define sin. We'll sit there and say, well, Pastor Tony, you need to get with the times. Things are not like they should be. Things are not like they should be. Things have changed in our culture. But I'll tell you, what has not changed is the word of God. That's why God comes out and he says, I declare what is right. I am righteous. I declare what is right. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel. Our kids will come home to us and say, well, everybody at school is doing it. Or our husbands will say, well, the guys are going. It doesn't matter. You don't define sin. It's not up to you. That's why Paul was so frustrated with them. In Isaiah 45, I brought this verse out to you last week, 19. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I, the Lord, tells you what is right. I declare the things that are right. It cannot get any clearer than that. So opinion and all the things that we did that. If you guys remember, even in the garden, when, when God did that, God gave them all this free space and all this dominion over the animals and the plants and all this stuff, and he gave them all these things to do. And then God said, oh, by the way, Adam, you can imagine God doing this. Have you guys ever done that, like playing uh, sports out in the yard? You take your foot and you draw a line. You sit there and God says, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it. God drew a line and said, Adam, don't do this. God was declaring to Adam and Eve. God was saying, I'm going to draw a line. I will declare. Adam and Eve didn't have to go through the garden going, I don't know, honey. Something in here is wrong. I hope we don't fall in it. No, God declared. God said. According to Romans chapter 6, here, here's the, the, the definition in Romans chapter 6 of sin. Sin is an offense. It's going against the one that declared it to be right. Sin is an offense. The root word of sin in that passage literally means to miss the mark. That's, that's what sin is. It's to miss the mark. It means to err. It means to have fault, to offend, to trespass. I explained that word um, we were going through that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to preach this since God is defining this. And he said it's to have an offense. I have this yellow line, so we'll just use this since I'm doing it anyways. I'm illustrating sides here. So God does this in the Bible, and God says, I declare what is right. He draws a line. The reason why it's trespassing, if your neighbors have a no trespass sign, literally, if you do this, you are doing wrong. You're trespassing. The Bible uses the exact same term over and over again. You're trespassing. You're breaking the line. You're, going, you're, you're passing a line. You should not be doing that. God did that with Adam and Eve in the garden. God did that with the Ten Commandments. God does that over and over again with lying, stealing, cheating, all these other things. Sin is wrong. Sin is defined by God. Sin is drawing a line. Crossing it is going against what God has said. Here's the second thing. Sin is the opposite of God. That's why in Romans we studied verse after verse after verse last week when God was defining the righteousness versus unrighteousness. Sin is the opposite of God. That's why he said to be ye holy for I am holy. Touch not the unclean thing and I will, I will behold you. He was saying there's a, there's a difference. It's the opposite of God. The Bible says that the Lord is righteous in all of his ways. Everything that God does, God says I am righteous. 
So if you think about this, and sometimes we don't think about sin this way. Whatever is over here that God defines in the Bible is wrong. Do not touch, do not do, do not say, do not go, do not whatever. And we're on this side. doesn't matter what culture, what everybody is doing. To step over and to embrace those things in our life is literally to do the opposite of what God is. Let that sink in for a minute. If God is talking about unrighteousness in Romans over and over again as he is explaining this, literally, it's not just a cheat and I'm going to sneak over here and oh, it's no big deal. God was literally saying to cross over the line, you are literally doing the opposite of what God is. Does that not open our eyes to say, holy cow, I am not going to challenge the almighty God. I am not going to do this whatsoever. But even when Paul was, God told him, God commanded Saul in the, in the Old Testament, and he told him to go and abolish the, the, the enemy and to not leave anything alive. And he did his own thing anyways. God compared him crossing the line. He said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Literally to sit there and God said, don't do this. And Saul did it. Said, you think about what he's saying over here. You are literally stepping into Satan's arena. It says witchcraft. And we'd sit there and say, I would never worship Satan. I would never, you know, no, I, I guarantee you none of us would go home and have a pentagram and candles and, you know, goat heads in our living room. No, no, we're not going to do that. He said, like as, you are literally stepping in and opposing what God has said. So it's not only opposing God. Sin, sin is the opposite of good. God made, he said, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That's what Paul was just explaining to them. Give thanks, for God is good. Let me explain to you, if righteousness of God, and if God is righteous, and God is good, what is this? You you think about it. And I I say this to try to illustrate to us that are struggling so bad in life, and things are so complicated, and God says, well, life is not good, because you are rejecting good. You're rejecting it. You are literally taking it upon yourself to say, I, in my mind, will do my own thing. You have every, oh man, I just pulled God's line. Don't do that, it's bad. Dragging it around with me. Have any of you guys ever thought in your mind, well, it's not that bad? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're saying, I could, I could illustrate, I've, I've thought, Lord, give me, Give me the things they hit, but I'll tell you, every single one of us have the different things. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's, it's, it's like the Bible says to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a, you guys fill in the blank, for a season. And a lot of us, we get trapped over there because we go over there and go, I know mom and dad said I shouldn't, and pastor's preaching all the time about, and I know this is bad, or they say it's bad, but no, everybody does a little bad. You know, whatever, you know, well, that's not that bad. And that's actually cool. But the Bible says to enjoy the pleasures of sin. The Bible is explaining there are pleasures of sin for a season. So the deception is over here. It's kind of good. And so I know what they say, but I'll tell you, this isn't as bad as what they said. It's, it's not, but the Bible says it's only the pleasure of sin for a season. The, 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 the perfect illustration of this is when you're starving and you go out to eat. And the waiter comes up and says, what, you want an appetizer? And you're like, man, I don't normally, but yes, I'm starving. Bring me a, a basket of bread, and yes, I'll have an appetizer, and, and, and I want this salad, and then you get the full-course meal, and then you finish it off with dessert. You enjoy the pleasure until you get up, and you start to walk out, and you have the sweats, and you're thinking, oh, honey, man, I'm not feeling so good. And I feel, you know, it, it only lasts for a season. 
but then it hits you. This doctrine that he says in Romans chapter 6, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. How shall we, how shall we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? He said, how in the world are we going to sit there and be called, I am a child of God. I am free. I am chosen. I am, you know, we sang about that a minute ago. And then God says, and then yet you want to come over here and live this way. He says, God forbid you don't understand. Now, this is going to be a weird message because I'm actually, every verse that I'm giving you in Romans chapter 6, I'm going to preach twice. Because I want to preach it from the perspective of sin and then from the perspective of righteousness. And I think sometimes we kind of don't understand what the difference is. So God is the one that defines sin. But then he goes through and he begins to illustrate the effects of sin. Why is this such a big deal? Why does God go out of his way to warn us of this? In this passage, Romans chapter 6 actually talks about the effects of sin all the way through this. You think about God as a God of order and everything that he made. He said it is good. In Genesis 1.31, he said, I made it. It's good. If you stay on this side, he said, Adam, Eve, it is good. Church, if you live according to what God said, you, you, you honor God with your, your life. You honor God with your substance. You honor God with righteousness. You know what God said? It's good. I mean, you think, think about it. God. God doesn't lie. God, God doesn't exaggerate. He's, he's literally saying, if you trespass, it's not good. I don't know this is a simple concept. I remember when we were uh, kids, we grew up on a farm. It was a totally, totally different uh, way of growing up than the way that it is in today's culture. We didn't have cell phones, and we couldn't afford a Nintendo. So it wasn't until we were later, we wanted a Nintendo system so bad that we, we couldn't get it. So I remember going to my grandpa's house on the weekends a lot and being very very bored. Have you guys ever been bored before? I know our kids say that today. I remember being a kid and absolutely being bored. So we would go out, and I told you guys a while back about, we we would take this piece of string and wrap it around the pony and try to ride the pony and get knocked out and get my face bashed in and things like that. That That was the kind of things that we did. But my grandpa's sister had a farm adjacent to his farm it was in the same plot of land and stuff like that and they had something that my grandpa didn't have and it was a bull and this bull wasn't like you see in the movies with the giant horns and everything so it looked more like just a beefed up cow but it was a bull and I remember me and Dave or me and Denny I can't remember who it was said you know how cool would it be to get one of those things you guys know what I'm talking about get one of those things and do that with a bull and I know this sounds stupid and, and very redneck yes it was extremely redneck and I don't remember what we grabbed. I don't even think it was red because red is what agitates the bull's vision or whatever makes him charge at that. I just remember grabbing something and doing that. We were just really careful to go on the other side of the fence. And I just remember playing over there and all of a sudden that bull did start coming after us just because he was agitated or thought we had food or whatever. And I remember about breaking our necks trying to get back on the other side of the fence before that bull got us. And it probably was nothing. He probably moved like three feet. We just freaked out. We ran like crazy. But I realized, you realize when God draws a line and says don't go over to the other side, it's because God knows what's on the other side. And in his knowledge of knowing good and uh, bad and, and right from wrong and holy and unholy and righteous and unrighteous, God knows all those things that he describes to the entire book. God says, I know what's on the other side and how it will hurt you. 
we're talking about the effects of sin, the definition of sin. But the Bible illustrates this thing in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, talking about the death of Jesus Christ. Now, the death of Jesus Christ was because of 2 Corinthians 5.21, because he was made to be sin for us. You understand? Jesus took on sin. He got what we deserved. And I you say, oh, man, I know that's it. But you think about what he was saying. God took the blunt of what it was because God knows how sin affects us. Guys, as a parent, I would tell you right now, if I've seen my kids get hurt in a heartbeat, if it was physically possible to sit there and say, instead of them having to get those stitches, let me get those stitches. You, you guys know if you're a parent, you know what that's like. I would take that in a heartbeat. That's what God said. I know how bad sin affects you. I know how it takes your life. I know how it robs you of everything. So he says this. Read with me in Romans 6.3. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. He said, you understand the substitution that took here. He said, it wasn't just you. Jesus came alongside of you. You were baptized into benefits of what he did. Therefore, we were buried with baptism in the death, that as like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We've been planted together in the likeness of his death, so we also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, their old man is crucified with him. Do you understand when he's talking about sin and illustrating this over and over again when he says continuing this and he says that the, the price or the sin has already been paid for or put upon him? It's a substitution, likeness of him, place like him, newness of like, life like him. He says this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified. When, why is that? That the body of sin might be destroyed and henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You know, I'm going to show you that I, I thought about this. Richard, if you have that picture, if you can put it on the... We, we don't often think, we, we see this and I see love. You know, you know what I'm saying? I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We would all say amen to that. We praise that we don't worship the cross. The cross will not be in heaven. It was an instrument or tool used to bring about our salvation. But let me, let me change your perspective of what he was saying as Christ died, dead, 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 crucified, crucified, all those things that we say saying through Romans 6. He was saying, that's sin. He was made sin for us. Not saying Jesus is sin, he took on sin, but I'm saying this, you're seeing the effects of sin. And a lot of times in the world, we sit there and say, man, sin is awful and sin is horrible. God said, let me illustrate to you how bad sin is. The cross was a visual of one sin. It's the same thing when we, you think about an Isaiah. When you keep, keep that image in your mind. Actually, Richard, as I'm reading through this, can you just uh, keep that picture up there? Don't put the verse. Let me just read this. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We, we sit there and say, it's no big deal. I, I know God says that I shouldn't do this, and I know I shouldn't hold bitterness, and I know I shouldn't have sex out of marriage, and I know that I shouldn't fornicate, and I know I shouldn't lust, and I know I shouldn't steal, and I know I shouldn't be bitter, and I know, I know, I know. What's the big deal? And God said, because it hurts. 
And literally, the, the, the tragedy of sin, the effects of sin, all that he did, he said, you don't understand, I already took it. I took it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Why? Why when God said, I did it all for you? Why when God said, I took your place? Why when I took it upon myself? Why would you do that? Sin hurts. From the very beginning in Genesis, when he talked about from the sin being brought into the world, that thorns and thistles would come up, sin hurts. Paul was talking to the church of Ephesus, and he begins to bring out, and he said, let not sin Therefore, reign in your mortal body. And he begins to talk about in Ephesians, about uh, we, were, we were putting away lying. Be, be angry and sin not. Don't steal anymore. All these things that he said, Jesus said this. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away. Do you understand when you live on this side and you live in bitterness and you're mad at others or you're living angry, you are hurting yourself and hurting others. It hurts. So let, let the chastisement of your sin be upon me. Let the stripes be upon me. Let the blunt sin is never, it might be fun for a season, but let me tell you, it comes into our lives, it will tear you apart. All these things that he warned us about, he says in, 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 in 614, now we're going to go all the way back through these and explain the, the freedom from this, but he, he talked about sin controlling he said in verse 14, it shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Dominion, it doesn't have to rule you. You know, we have it in our mindset, and I can't wait to explain this next week, when he said to reckon yourself indeed a, a dead under sin. When he was saying, we, we sit there, and some of us have this mindset, Pastor Tony, I cannot get over this. I cannot get past this. You realize that sin wants to control you. A lot of you probably right now have that sin in your mind that you say, I can't get over. Do you guys realize that it is a lie to think that you are stuck there forever? God said this, because of what he did on the cross, it no longer has dominion over you. But I'm illustrating this, sin wants to control you. And in Ephesians, that passage, and also in Romans, when it says, let not, literally, this is voluntary. If you're sitting there, I am so mad and bitter and angry and this, it's optional. Because whom the Son sets free, you are free indeed. So if you want to do this, the Bible says, why are you doing this? I've already set you free. You are living there optionally. Sin controls and sin destroys. Everything that he illustrated in Romans chapter 6 went back to death, 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 death. Lust with hath conceit that bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It's like a disease. It doesn't go away. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't just walk away. It runs its course. It destroys relationship. It destroys testimony. It destroys your passion. It destroys your love for other people. It destroys your worship. It makes you bitter at other Christians. If you have all those things in your life, it is destroying you, eating you alive. It is sin, and you don't have to be there. And I know I've not really gone into the side of it, of explaining what it is, but all through this passage as he went through, he talked about these different illustrations of this, that it, that it destroys, it binds you, it, it, it grabs a hold of you, the, all these things that he says. He says in Romans six twelve, he said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. He pulls in the sin, he said, you 
don't have to let it rain. Now, it all ties into the baptism thing that you've been immersed in Jesus Christ. It talks about dethroning Satan in your life, dethroning sin, that it has no longer has dominion over you. And I'll explain all of that next week of what it's talking about. But it's a choice. You don't have to live in the pain of sin. You don't have to be controlled by sin. You don't have to obey sin. Now, it's all over there. I'm telling you, on the other side, it's all there. But God has said, listen, when I died on the cross, remember he sanctified us, literally pulled us out. We were washed. We were clean. We were changed. I no longer have the label of unrighteousness. I've been made righteousness. So all of a sudden, before, when I was lost, man, this was me. I wanted to break free, but it's not by works of righteousness, which I have done. But according to his mercy on the other side, I couldn't let go. I'm going to do good deeds. Won't break the law or won't break the boundary. I'm going to do better. It won't break it. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ am I made free. But see how, now here's the Christian life. And this is why we're just like, oh, I'm on fire for God. And well, I slipped away for a while and got back to those things. It's, it's, It's like the Bible describes as a dog returning to its vomit. So we were at Fort Bluff and having a blast. And you'll see some of this tonight. God, I, I had this message on my heart, the sin, 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 what God was saying. And I started illustrating in my mind what, 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 what he was saying with the righteousness. But going back while we were at Fort Bluff and then um, we were down at the lake and there's this huge obstacle course down at the lake. And then in the middle of the lake, there's this thing called the blob. And the blob was super cool. The blob, uh, I think we have a picture of the blob. So you would run off that thing and jump. And then a kid sat at the end of it and would sling them into the lake. So this is a small series of us doing this. We would do this over and over and over again. I know it's weird, but it was so much fun. And the goal was to get somebody really heavy to jump off to sling the other person really far. And uh, that's what... That's what teens call fun, so it was awesome. So we, we were down there doing that, and, and why, why we were down there doing that, the day before, Pastor Bryce and Lydia were down at the lake, and they looked down in the water, and they saw something they weren't expecting to see right next to the blob. It was this dude right here. This is video straight from Bryce's thing. So that dude, now in a minute, you're going to see a glimpse of it. Do you see where he's swimming? So... There's the blob. So I was explaining the next day to the the lifeguard. I said, you know what's funny is right there yesterday, there was a snake. And the lifeguard stood up and he says, there's the snake. And that was the next day. He says, there's a snake right now. And the lifeguard walks over to the edge of it. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a poisonous snake. Get out, get out, get out. And all of a sudden, all the guys started swimming to the edge and they start getting out and then at the end these guys were standing up at the side and they all had these things and there's uh, everybody's off to the side viewing this and they're trying to kill this snake it's amazing how all this was okay until somebody came up and said wait a minute hey that is dangerous why are you going to continue now how dumb would it be if some kid was out there just swimming saying I don't care I I don't see anything wrong with it. Don't tell me what to do. Pastor Tony, it's 2019. I'll swim where I want to swim. I'm my own person. I'm my own, you know, all this other stuff. You'd sit there and say to them, why would you continue 
to swim therein. Why would you do that? When, when, when we're warning, when we're telling, we're telling you the effects of it and everything, you don't have to get injured by it. Now, for the rest of the story, afterwards we realized that it was just a water snake. It wasn't poisonous, and the dude was wrong. But I'll tell you, something should spike in our heart and mind when we realize where we're at and how we're living. And you realize from the Bible, and I could go all day long when God says it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And I'm trying to be that negative, you know, hellfire and brimstone. You, you, you are all sinners. Need, well, maybe we should be talking about what's wrong in our lives. But the point being is if I can't go through every single sin, you know what you're dealing with in your own life. You know what it is. It's sin. It's the opposite of God. It's the opposite of what's right. It's missing the mark. It's the opposite of what's good. And the effects of it is it will hurt you. It will control you. It will destroy you. But the awesome thing about it is God says, hey, Come back and get your life right. Walk out of it. God, I can't. God says, you don't understand. I've already died for it. I've already taken the blunt of it. I've already set you free. Come over. 